Yesterday, I heard on the ABC radio about a 13-year-old girl in Newcastle called Katinka. Katinka needs a walker to help her to walk. She has a physio who found the perfect walker for her. It costs $6,000. The physio said that this walker is a reasonable and necessary piece of equipment for Katinka, but the NDIA rejected her application for this walker. In today's podcast, I'll be talking to lawyer Suzanne Parker about what Katinka and her physio could do in this situation. Hi, and welcome to Law for Community Workers on the Go. This is a series of podcasts brought to you by Legal Aid New South Wales. In each episode, one of us from the Community Legal Education Branch will be chatting to experts on different legal topics. We're really excited to have you all listening today and we hope that you'll learn something new and interesting. Welcome to our podcast. My name is Natalie. I'm from the legal Community Legal Education Branch here at Legal Aid New South Wales. And before we start and before I introduce my guest, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land that we are recording on today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. So today I'm here with... Suzanne Parker. I'm a civil solicitor that specialises in um, government law and in particularly I do quite a lot of work around um, reviews of decisions made by the National Disability Insurance Agency. Thanks, Suzanne. And I guess we're talking about this topic today because as part of our Law for Community Workers on the Go podcast, we like to talk about areas that are either new in the law or that are very much hot topics and topical. And I guess the NDIS would fall into that category of something that's really, well, both really. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So it definitely is new in terms of the law. So um, the NDIS Act came into... um, it came into being in 2013 and there in it was a very much a, a landmark and a huge change um, and so the time that we've spent from 2013 to now we have, we really haven't had many cases so we haven't developed a, a big body of um, case law that I guess provides more instruction about what certain things mean um, within the legislation. Certain words and meanings and definitions are still very grey. So this law is is still very new and um, I find that really exciting as a a lawyer to be working in an area that um, there's a lot of grey area. There's lots to argue about and lots to interpret. Um, I understand for participants sometimes that's that is really frustrating Um, but we're getting there and um, yeah so let's we talked about some definitions so have we defined what's NDIS what are those so NDIS is the National Disability Insurance Scheme and that's the scheme that's the I guess first of all it's the act which created the scheme which is the insurance model that basically has the pot of money um, that will um, allow people to do certain things or or have certain supports like Katinka's Walker. Um, So that's the scheme. The scheme is administered by the National Disability Insurance Agency or the NDIA. Yeah. And it's, this is an Australia-wide... It's a national scheme. That's right. And so, Natalie, that's a really good point because the NDIS was um, a, a landmark change because we took 
we really made a decision to turn away from the old system. The old system where we had disability, um, each state funded their own disability programs and huge differences across all the states. Um, so it was very, uh, I, I think you could say unfair in terms that in some places people got a lot and in other places they didn't get a lot. And that's what community workers might have known as block funding. Absolutely. So governments gave money to the disability service providers mm -hmm. to deliver services and now that's completely changed. That's right. Yeah. So. Now that block of money or that funding is given to you, Natalie, you might be an individual and so you get to decide how you would like to um, use that pot of money rather than someone else, the government or a, a agency that has this block funding instead of them deciding for you. Just to explain a bit more, I guess, why we have it. So was this the... Um the situation just not working well for people with disabilities before? Um, it wasn't, it, it's hard to say, I guess it depends, um, because it did work for some people, um, and for some people it didn't work, but I think what it really did was create a huge variation in the way that these services were administered, who could access them, and it really, I think it really took, it did take a lot of um, control and independence away from the person with a disability. And if we look at the objects and principles of the Act, um, it is really amazing how much language is used in there that really wants to give almost an identity, a, a personhood back to a person with a disability mm -hmm. instead of just defining them as some things that they can't do, they actually um, really get to exercise their individual will and independence to make decisions for themselves. So do you have an idea about how about numbers, I guess, how many people in Australia are accessing the NDIS or eligible to be? So the NDIS is a two-tier system. So technically the NDIS is for everyone, um, and but not everyone will have substantial disabilities. So it's created a, a two-tiered model in a sense. The first tier is about um, information linkages and capacity building, and this is information and referral services for existing supports in the community, capacity building for mainstream services, community awareness. Um, so it's really about that that first tier is about um, kind of uh, information for everyone else out in the community um, about people with disabilities and how we can have a more inclusive um, society. The second tier, oh, sorry, just one thing further about that, yeah, yeah. that's for 4.3 million people and 80,000 carers. So that's a, a pretty significant cohort. The second tier is the, the individually funded packages. And these are packages for people um, that have significant care and support needs. And this number is much smaller. So they're, by 2019, when the scheme should be fully rolled out and everyone should be on, we will be looking at uh, a group of people that is comprised of 475,000. So much, much smaller, a really tiny, actually quite a small percentage of um, the Australian population are people that um, fell into this category. Um, and just as a, another number to throw out there, um, when this scheme is fully implemented, it's estimated that it will cost about $22 billion per annum. So it's a yeah. lot of money that we're talking about, um, which is, I think, always important to acknowledge. And Katinka, who we mentioned at the beginning, she's 13, so she does fall into the age, because I understand there's some age um, eligibility criteria. Is yeah, that? so not everyone is able to access the NDIS. Um, the, there are, within the legislation, there's um, sets out the criteria to access the NDIS, and 
there are three basic criteria that someone needs to meet. They have to meet the age requirement, which is zero to 65. And the 65 caveat is you have to apply before you turn 65. So you have to be 64 and 351 days when you apply. So if you apply when you turn 65, you will be ineligible and you'll have to access the aged care supports. The second requirement is the residency requirement. And um, this was more of an issue, I think, when there were trial sites and it was being rolled out um, throughout different states. So different places came into the NDS at different times. It's fully rolled rolled out now. Um, so that residency requirement will not be nearly as... It, it won't play a role as it, much of, as it used to. Oh, so it was resi- residency in the trial yeah. sites, the areas, rather yeah. than... Australian citizenship. So that's what it. Yeah, Yeah. that's what it was. Um, But now, now that every everywhere is fully rolled out, it's residency um, generally. So you have to be an Australian citizen, a permanent resident, um, a New Zealander who is a protected special category visa holder, and live in Australia. So these are basically the same rules that Centrelink has. So um, those are the first two. And then the next requirement is you have to either meet the disability requirements or the early intervention requirements. That's an either or. Um, so you, you will have access to the scheme if you meet the age, residency, or and the disability requirements, or you meet the age, residency, and the early intervention requirements. Does that make sense? Right. So the early intervention is for younger people? Ooh, that's a, that's a, <laughs> yeah, that's a really common misconception, okay. actually. So... Early intervention doesn't mean early in someone's life. Um, You just need to think about it as in, um, so it's not only for children. Adults can have access to early intervention supports. Early intervention supports are really, um, or access is about looking at you and saying, um, you've never had this therapy before. This might affect the trajectory of um, the disability for your lifetime or across your future. So it's more about early in your time, specifically time for you, and about a therapy rather than an age requirement. Right, got it. (laughs) Um, So we might come back to Katinka's story. So in that that piece that I heard on the radio, on the ABC yesterday, the physio, Katinka's physio, was very frustrated because she said that she put a lot of time and effort into um, trialling and testing the right walker Mm -hmm. for Katinka. And I guess they put the claim in or the um, request into the NDIA, and you can correct me on the language there. And the NDIA rejected that or declined it. And her comment was, it just takes one person to say, no, I don't think this is necessary for her. Can you explain, is that the way the NDIA works and what can Katinka and her physio do in this situation? Okay, so I might I need to back up a little bit. Sure. And I really, I think we need to talk about uh, reasonable and necessary supports. Yes, these, that was mentioned. Yeah, these words are really thrown around and, you, and I often hear from providers or a therapist like her PT who said this is a reasonable support, it's necessary. Mm-hmm. But this is, reasonable and necessary is a, Um, a term really that falls into the NDS legislation and for a support to be reasonable and necessary it has to meet all six of the criteria identified in the legislation in order that it's funded so if it doesn't meet one of that criteria then it doesn't meet any of them furthermore there are rules that give us even more meaning to what it means for reasonable and necessary supports so 
you start with the root with the act um, then you look at the rules and then you also have the operational guidelines which provide even more information mm. so there's a there is um, a lot of restriction on what this means and it's not reasonable necessary doesn't have your it's, ordinary meaning it's not just the uh, therapist's opinion no yeah. it's not yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know a lot about Katinka's matter and I, I haven't looked at her case in particular but the first thing that might pop up for me is when I look at this list of criteria one of the um, criteria is it has to be value for money relative to both the benefits achieved and the cost of the of alternative support mm-hmm. so if the NDIA were to say um, Katinka we absolutely accept that you um, think that this is really going to be a fantastic thing for you and you've trialed other ones but we also know that there's this different kind of walker that we think is going to deliver the same outcome um, and it's much cheaper so that's what we'll fund we won't fund the really expensive option because we think that there's a better alternative okay so just to clarify that's how it works in the legislation and the guidelines Mm -hmm. so if the NDIA thinks there is a cheaper I guess option that will yeah. also work for Katinka yes and that might be what is funded yes that's yeah. right okay um okay so her so but let's say that her therapist has tried lots of other things and this is the only option mm-hmm. that her therapist recommends for Katinka um what can they do so um, her therapist said that one person makes a decision and that's it that's not quite true um, so it's, it doesn't have to be the end of the line. Um, what happens thereafter is the NDIA will make a decision and you get that, Katinka and her family would get that decision in writing. From the date that you receive that decision, you have three months to lodge an internal review. So basically... That's an internal review within the NDIA. That's right. So, so a different person in the NDIA yeah. would... So someone other than the original decision maker... Um, will look at everything again and make a new decision. Um, So they will consider whatever evidence Katinka and her therapist put forward about this um, piece of equipment and they'll make a new decision. And that timeline, it's really important for, I guess, community workers to know about if they get someone who comes to them with this letter saying, I've been rejected, they really need to make... Yeah, so it is, um, just in terms of supports and a rejection for access... Um, you For either of those decisions, you have three months to appeal that decision. You can make as many access requests as you want. Do you mean access to the NDIA? Yes. So when you when you mentioned access... Access to the scheme? That's what I interpreted. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I will, either way, so yeah. this dream, you get a letter saying from the NDIA saying either we're not funding this support mm-hmm. or you're not eligible for the scheme. Either yes. way. Either way, you still have three months, three months to seek a review of that right. decision. Yeah. And it is important um, because once that three months is ended, there is no extensions. Right. Okay. But it's important to know that if you do miss it and you miss the deadline because uh, about the access decision to allow mm-hmm. you to access the scheme, you can make a new application. Right. That's good to know. Um, yep. And they're actually the same with the support. So yeah, okay. the agency could make a decision um, to not fund your walker and you miss a three-month deadline to appeal it. Well, you could, actually, you could act, ask for that support again and have the same decision and then do it again. Right. It's just time, right? Yeah. So it, yeah. it's instead of getting things moving and by the time that clients finish a matter with me it can be 
two years. Mm. So it's a long time for people. So if you mm. don't actively jump on making that reviewable, making that review request, then it's just time that you lose. Okay, so Katinka's request for this particular walker is rejected or dismissed? Mm. What language do you use? Um, rejected. Rejected. Yeah. Okay, so rejected. Um, or declined. Or declined. Okay, yeah. so they've got three months. So they've put in a application for a review. Yep. And there's a form. Yep. yep. There's a form online. So if you, it's a little bit hard to find on the agency's website. So what I would suggest to do is to Google um, interim review NDIA, and that should come interim up with review the NDIA. Yep. That should come up. So with she does that within the three months, and then mm-hmm. if uh, the reviewer declines it again mm-hmm. then what are her options um i just there's one further one more thing i'd like to add in yeah when you start sure. doing your internal review there are disability advocates in most local communities that can help you do this mm-hmm. and they are very experienced in helping people submit internal reviews so i would suggest you to um, have a look around and see if there's a disability advocate that can help you. How would people find them? Um, again, it's a, I would suggest you do a Google search, um, disability advocate um, in your, you type in your local area. Yeah. Um, for the people in the Hunter, I know there's disability advocacy um, and they, are, they have advocates that can help you and are experienced doing internal reviews. So I would get linked in with one of those guys and then they can help facilitate the next stage. So if you are, again, unfortunate or you've, um, your application or your support has been yeah. rejected by the agency after the internal review. You can seek an external merits review, and this is um, conducted by the Administrative Appeals Tribunal. And once you receive the decision letter from the agency about the internal review, you have 28 days to seek a review at the tribunal. Right, so less time. Less time. And that's quite strict. Um, that timeline is, again, quite strict. You can seek an extension but it's not always granted. So best advice, get your application in. Okay, and is that where you would become involved yes. as a lawyer? Yeah, so. that's right. Um, so this is where um, m- most of our services are really targeted is to helping people through the Administrative um, Appeals administrative appeals Tribunal process or the AAT. And legal aid um, commissions all around Australia have been funded to do this Work. Yeah, that's right. So um, there are the Legal Aid Commission in South Australia has lawyers that do this work and the same with all the other states as well. Um, the way that you can get linked in to a legal aid lawyer, um, you have to, your disability advocate can help you do that, first mm-hmm. of all, and then they can also support you through that, through the process. Um, Otherwise, there is a application form on the Legal Aid website. So if you go to the Legal Aid New South Wales website and you search um, NDIS or NDIA, there's a, a web page with some instructions about how to fill out the forms. Um, there are two forms, the Legal Aid application and the um, application to, um, to receive a lawyer like me to help your case. Um, and then we... Um, have a look at those cases and decide whether or not we can take them on with your capacity is always an, an issue. Excellent. So I think we might wrap up there. There is a lot about this topic that we haven't covered today, but maybe we'll chat with you again about some more specifics around the um, what participants can do in terms of 
their goals and Absolutely. aspirations yep. and if they want to change those. Yep. I think that might be some, some things we'll, we will talk about later. Just before you go, Natalie, there yep. is one thing that I do think it's really important for everyone to know is that um, the NDIS is free and it's not means tested. So yep. anyone can access the NDIS um, and legal services um, for NDS reviews is also um, not means tested. So uh, a legal aid lawyer is free as well. Great. And just to give a phone number, is it law access the, the good first point of call if you're in New South Wales and you have some Absolutely. questions about the, the NDIS? Law access is a great starting point pretty much for any legal question and okay. certainly around this area too. Great. So that number is 1300 529. So um, participants in the NDIS clients themselves can call that number or if you're a community worker and you have someone with you, you can also call or access with them and explain what further services you'd like. So Natalie, just a key message, if you don't get anything else out of this podcast, just remember that most decisions by the agency are reviewable and if you need some advice um, about a decision that's been made that's about you, feel free to contact Legal Aid and ask for some help. So if the NDIA um, declines your request, that's mm-hmm. not necessarily the end of the story. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you, Suzanne. I think we will pick up this conversation another <laughs> time and then go into a bit more depth, but it's been really interesting and I've learned a lot and um, some of my misconceptions have been picked up by you, so thank you for that. <laughs> And um, yes, if you would like to subscribe to our podcast, that would be great. And then you can find out what's coming up. Thanks again from Suzanne and myself at Legal Aid New South Wales. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in today. If you're enjoying Law for Community Workers on the Go, make sure to spread the word. And if you have any feedback or even topic suggestions, please get in touch with us via email. Our address is cle at legalaid.newsouthwales.gov.au. We'd love to hear from you. So until next time, thanks again from the CLE branch here at Legal Aid New South Wales.